We're going to read from God's word now. So let's give our attention to that from Luke chapter 5. It's printed in the service sheets. Luke chapter 5, verses 1 to 11. On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him, that's Jesus, to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, and he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little from the land, and he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing. But at your words, I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. And when Simon Peter saw it, He fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken, and so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on you will be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. Amen. This is God's word. Well, beginnings are important, aren't they? Uh, Beginnings are always significant. Now, we know that when it comes to watching a movie, uh, we might switch it off if the beginning puts us off. Uh, We know it when we come to uh, watching a TV series. If the pilot episode doesn't interest us, we might not persevere with the series. Uh, There might be several books on our bookcases with a bookmark very near the start because what we read at the beginning didn't grip us. Beginnings are significant. And beginnings are significant for Luke when he was writing and compiling his gospel that we've just read from. He wants us to take note of the early years of Jesus' life, uh, who his parents were, uh, who his mother was in particular, and how his birth came about. He includes, at the beginning of his gospel, a genealogy, a family tree, tracing Jesus' descendants right back to Adam. Beginnings are significant for Luke. And here in our passage that we've just read in chapter 5, we see the beginning of mission. That is, the beginning of mission for God's people now that Jesus has come. And just as the pilot episode of a TV series introduces us to the key characters that we're to expect, this passage introduces us to some of the key features that we need to understand if we're going to understand mission rightly. If you've been around church a little while, you might have heard this word, mission. That's what we're thinking about this morning. We're going to look at three things to do with mission. First of all, what it is. Secondly, how we do it. And thirdly, why it's possible what it is, how we do it, why it's possible. First of all then, what it is. This passage is all about mission because it's all about the commissioning of Simon Peter. The other, some of the other apostles too, James and John, uh, but particularly Peter, 
And it's a commissioning of him to be a fisher of men, a catcher of men, we read at the end of the passage. It's a straightforward passage for us to follow. Jesus has begun to teach in synagogues, various other places, and he started to draw quite a crowd of people who were eager to hear him. And when he's down near this lake, the Lake of Gennesaret, the crowd's probably a little bit too eager to try and hear him. And so he gets into one of Simon Peter's boats, presumably so that he can teach a little bit more effectively and the crowd can gather on the shore and hear him better. And when he finishes teaching, he asks Simon to sail out into deeper water to let his fishing nets down. Simon explains that they've been there fishing all night, which would have been the best time for fishing in deeper water, and they've caught nothing. But he takes Jesus and his word and he lets the nets down And he and his business partners catch this huge number of fish. Simon Peter responds by falling at Jesus' feet and asking him to leave. But Jesus responds by saying to Simon, do not be afraid, from now on you'll be catching men. And the episode ends with them leaving everything and following Jesus. It's an incredible event. But the focal point isn't on this great miraculous catch Uh, The focal point instead is on Simon Peter's calling, his commissioning. The climax of the event is when Jesus says to Simon Peter, from now on, you will be catching men. Uh, Bible commentators point out that this passage resembles passages in the Old Testament when God commissions people for tasks. Uh, The pattern is that God reveals himself to the person, the person is then afraid And God then sends them out. He commissions them. So in Exodus 3, uh, God appears to Moses in the burning bush. And Moses hides his face because he was afraid. And then God sends him to go and bring his people out of slavery in Egypt. In Isaiah chapter 6, Isaiah sees the Lord sitting on his throne, his glory filling the temple. And Isaiah responds to this by saying, woe is me for I am lost. I'm a man of unclean lips. And the Lord sends Isaiah as a prophet to his people. We come to Luke 5, and Jesus reveals something of who he is to Peter in this miraculous catch. And Peter responds and says, Depart from me, for I'm a sinful man, O Lord. And Jesus sends him, commissions him. So here is Simon Peter's commission. He's to be a catcher of people catcher of men. But what does that mean? Well, in trying to understand what it means, we need to be careful not to push the analogy too far. Um, I don't know whether you watched this film when you were growing up. You've probably seen it. Chitty, chitty, bang, bang. Uh, My parents used to put it on for me and my sisters to watch sometimes when we were growing up. Any children seen chitty, chitty, bang, bang? It's probably probably a good thing. It's a strange thing for your parents to make you watch because it's got this character in it called The Child Catcher. Um, and the child catcher in, uh, in Chitty Chitty Bang Bang goes around with this huge net and he catches children. It's a terrible thing to, to watch, for your parents to make you watch when you're children, uh, really. But if we push the analogy too far in Luke 5, we might start to think of Peter's commissioning here in slightly sinister terms. After all, aren't fish taken against their will. Isn't the outlook for fish some, somewhat of a bleak outlook once they're caught? To interpret it uh, in that way would be to, mis- 
to make the mistake of pushing the analogy too far. Jesus isn't intending to, to mean that. Jesus is simply, but memorably here, drawing a link between Simon Peter's former occupation, his now former occupation, he was in the fishing business, and this new role that Jesus sends him out with to catch people. He used to catch fish, but now he will, in a sense, catch people. He once gathered in fish, but now he will gather in people to God's kingdom. In fact, the word used here for catching at the end of the passage, it means to catch alive, to let live. It's a word that carries a sense of rescue with it. Uh, Daryl Bock, who's an expert in Luke's gospel, he writes that God is in the business of saving people, of rescuing people, and some will help him in the catch. That's what's going on here. That's what this mission is. It's a rescue mission. And we need to note two things about the nature of this rescue mission. Firstly, this rescue mission has a particular and a unique focus for Simon Peter and the other apostles. Uh, Simon Peter and the other apostles were commissioned to be fishers of men, catchers of men, in a way that you and I are not commissioned to be. Uh, How so? Well, Simon Peter and the other apostles are called by Jesus to become the foundation of his church. Matthew tells us in his gospel account that Jesus would later say to Simon Peter, you are Peter and on this rock I will build my church. It's the witness and the teaching of the apostles that becomes the content of the founding documents of the church. So that in Luke's second volume, the book of Acts, very near the beginning, he tells us that the earliest Christians devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. So there is a sense in which these words, this commission to go and catch people, apply directly and uniquely to the apostles, to to Peter, before they apply to us today. How would Simon Peter and the apostles go about this new commission of theirs? How would they, empowered by the Holy Spirit, be Jesus' witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth? It wouldn't primarily be by going themselves, by each individually preaching and Uh, trying to bring people into the kingdom. They were only 12 men. No, they would fulfill this commission to catch people, to be catchers of men, by serving as Christ's appointed founders of the church. Now, that's important for us to realise, because without it, we can quite easily read these words and think to ourselves, okay, if mission is gathering people into God's kingdom then that's what I need to go and do. And when we think like that, we can start to act as though every Christian is first and foremost called to go and be an evangelist, is called to go and be preaching and sharing the gospel with other people, gathering people into the kingdom on our own. And when we start to think like that, we can get all sorts of things in the Christian life distorted, We can start to undervalue the importance of our work, the quality of our work, the integrity with which we work. The only measure against which we judge whether or not we're honouring God in our work is 
how many people we've shared the gospel with, how many people we've told about Jesus. And so we read verses like the one we read at the end of this passage in chapter 5, where James, John, Peter left everything and followed Jesus, and we think, that's what I need to do. I need to leave everything. I need to downgrade everything else in my life and focus solely on sharing the gospel with people. But the apostles don't take Jesus' commission here as a commission to go and be individual evangelists. Uh, In the rest of the New Testament, we don't find them off on their own, trying to gather people into the kingdom through their own personal endeavors. Instead, we find them building up the church, building up the church in Jerusalem, building up the church in Judea, in Samaria, throughout the world. They were concerned for the church. They wrote letters to edify the church. They were careful to appoint elders and overseers in the church throughout the land so that the church might be healthy and continue to grow. Well, we might look at the pattern of the apostles' behavior then and we might say, Simon Peter, all you apostles, you've forgotten your commission. You've forgotten Christ's commission. You've forgotten that he called you to go and catch people, to rescue people. And instead, you're focusing all your attention on the church. And Simon Peter and the apostles would no doubt respond to us and they would say, ah, but it's through the church that we carry out Christ's commission. Because properly understood, biblically speaking, this rescue mission takes place in and through the church. God's chosen vehicle for his mission to the world is the church. Well, what does that mean for us? The fact that the church is sent out on this rescue mission by God presupposes the fact that there is a rescue we each need. You don't need convincing of that, though, this morning, do you? You know that you don't have it all together. But it also means that If we're outside of the church, in the most significant of senses, then we need to recognize that the church has something that we need. What the church has that we each need is the truth about who God is, who we are in relation to him, and who his chosen rescuer is, Jesus Christ, the one here before whom Peter kneels. More on that in a moment. The fact that the church is God's chosen vehicle for this rescue mission also means that when Christians are fired up about mission and enthusiastic about evangelism, the right place for us to channel that enthusiasm is in and through the church. If you find yourself with a desire to be a part of this mission in a more direct way, then the best place for you to explore that calling is in the church. Speak to your pastor, to your elders. Pray with fellow believers. That's only a small minority of people, really, isn't it? And so if that's not you, even even so, the way for you to engage in this mission is in and through the church. Pray for the church. Give to the church. Pray for wisdom for the church uh, as the church uses the gifts the Lord has given to her. Take an active role in these things. Because the apostles didn't conceive of themselves as fishers of men outside or apart from the church, neither can we. 
The second thing we need to note about the nature of this mission given to Simon Peter and the other apostles is that there is a change of dynamic taking place here. It wasn't the case prior to this moment that God's people were without a mission. And they were, we see throughout the Old Testament, a commissioned people, a people with a mission. They were to be a light to the nations around them. The nations were to look at Israel and to be drawn to God. Israel's faithful worship of God was to gather others into God's kingdom. And we might say then that God's people in the Old Testament were to gather nations by drawing the nations to them, by being an attractive nation themselves. That was their mission. The difference here in Luke 5 is that in the commissioning of Simon Peter and the other apostles, we see that the mission for God's people is no longer to remain and to draw in, but it's to go out and to gather. Jesus says, from now on you will be catching men. That is to say, from now on you will be going out and gathering people and rescuing. The church is now to go out, to move out, to move towards the nations. We don't wait for the nations to come to us, but we go out to the nations. So Christianity then is evangelistic. We don't merely wait for people to come to us and to start asking questions about the gospel as much as we pray that they might. But we go out and we call on people to believe the gospel. Do you know, I think this is important for us to note today in particular, because what's happening more and more in our society is that people who make absolute claims, people who say, this is what's true, and it's true regardless of how you feel about it, those people are being held up as the enemy in our society. And of course, when we go out as the church, we're going out and we're saying, this is true. This gospel is true. It's true regardless of how you feel about it. And that being the the atmosphere in our society, that that kind of person, the person who goes out and says something like that is being held up as the enemy, we can start to think like, well, maybe we'll just keep our heads down. Maybe we'll just stay here in our Christian communities Maybe we'll pray that people might come to us, but we won't go out. It's a real temptation for us. But we need to see that the dynamic of mission for God's people has changed. Christ has sent Simon Peter and the apostles out into the nations. He has sent his church out into the nations. He's commissioned us to go. Our mission is to go. And so we must keep going and calling people to worship God. We must keep going and planting churches in new neighbourhoods. We must keep going and sending missionaries to unreached and scarcely reached nations. Even so, even in the face of hostility, the church is to go and to call people into the church, which is to say we call people to come and believe that Jesus is who Luke presents him to be, the one before whom Peter kneels. That's the mission. Secondly, how do we do it? How do we go about this rescue mission, this gathering in of people into God's kingdom? Well, specifics need to be left to each culture to be worked out. We can't be overly prescriptive when it comes to models for reaching out with the gospel. Different models are more or less fitting in different places, in different times. 
expect that there's ways in which this church might reach out to its community that would be different to the ways in which we might be reaching out to our community in Chester when we plant the church there. But the Bible does give us some principles that ought to guide us in mission. And there's one principle that we see here in this passage, and it's this, humility. Humility. As we go about the church's commission to reach out into the nations with the gospel, we're to do so with a humble view of ourselves. We see this mark of humility in Peter's response to Jesus, to this miraculous catch of fish. You can picture the scene. They let down the nets. Before long, the nets are bulging with fish. They're bursting at the seams. They haul the nets into the boats, and the boats can barely stay afloat under the weight of them. And then we read in verse 8, But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. Imagine what might have entered Simon Peter's mind at that point. He was running a fishing business. He was running this business with James and John. And here's Jesus, who is able to oversee huge hauls of fish at will. He might have thought to himself, Jesus, we can talk about terms. We've got, we've got a deal you might like. How about 25% of the profit if you come out fishing with us once a week? Uh, you can imagine it might have crossed his mind. You can imagine that he might have thrown his hands up in the air and he might have said, well, come on, we've been out here fishing all night and this guy comes along and by some fluke he finds the spot where all the fish are. But he doesn't respond in those ways. He responds by falling to his knees before Jesus. What was it that brought Simon Peter to his knees? What was it that humbled him? Bible scholars who analyze Jesus' miracles, they debate whether this miraculous catch was a miracle of willpower, uh, whether Jesus uh, willed that the fish would at that moment swim into the net and therefore it was a miracle of his will, or whether it was a miracle of his knowledge. Did Jesus just miraculously know somehow that that's where all the fish were and so if they threw the nets down, they would take all these fish in? But... What brought Peter to his knees wasn't the nature of the miracle that he had just witnessed. What brought Peter to his knees was the nature of the person who stood before him. Just as when Isaiah was faced with a transcendent Lord on his throne, he cried out, woe is me. Here is Simon Peter faced with a transcendent Lord in the boat. And he says, depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. Luke is highlighting this response from Simon Peter as the right response to Jesus. Here is the lens of Luke's camera zooming in, moving in on Peter, and he's on his knees. He's aware of his sinfulness when he's faced with who Jesus is. And Luke is saying that is how each of us ought to respond to Jesus. And this humility, this posture of humility is to stay with us and to characterize us as we engage in the mission of the church as we reach out with the gospel uh, one bible commentator Dale Ralph Davis he says this he says our culture is so bent on how well you can strut but not how quickly you can kneel and that's true isn't it 
Yet here we are, sharing in this commission, this commission of the church to be fishers of men, building on the foundation laid by the apostles, and we are to display the humility that we see here in Simon Peter as we do so. I'm preparing to um, plant this church over in Chester. When I've spoken to church planters, uh, when I've read people who've written on church planting, I've come across people speaking of a common mistake that church planters can make. This might have been something that John T. said, but other people have said it as well. Uh, People say that uh, the church planter, when they're preparing to plant the church, can often make the mistake of thinking that what the church really needs is him. Uh, What the world really needs is him. What the world needs is his model of church, his uh, preaching, his knowledge, uh, and so on. But that attitude is not in line with the humility that ought to characterize us in this mission. Uh, We see it in evangelism too. A Christian might be fired up and zealous to go and evangelize, perhaps to lead the church in evangelism. We should praise God for that zeal. But sometimes it it can become misplaced. And the person can begin to think that what the church really needs is their model of evangelism. And the humility that we see here in Simon Peter seems to be lacking. I don't don't think that Chester, what Chester needs is me to plant a church. I do believe that Chester needs the church. I do believe that Chester needs the church to take seriously its mission to go and gather in people into God's kingdom. I believe that God has called me to this task, and if the church sends me to go and do this task, then I must go, but I must go humbly, on my knees, as it were, before the Lord. After all, that's what we're calling unbelievers to do in mission. We're calling them to come and kneel before their maker. And so there's a horrible hypocrisy about us when we're calling others to bow the knee, but standing tall, standing proud ourselves. That's what mission is. That's how we do it. Thirdly, finally, very briefly, why it's possible. If that's what the church, if that's what the church's mission is, if the church's mission is to build on a foundation laid by the apostles to go and gather in the nations, the way that we do that is with humility, with a great sense of dependence on the Lord. How do we know that this mission is even at all possible? How can we do it? Well, there's one feature of this passage that we've not looked at in great detail detail this morning, and it's the word of Christ. Uh, Jesus is the one who initiates this event. After he's finished teaching the crowd, he says to Peter in verse 4, put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. Jesus is the one who gets the ball rolling. And uh, Simon's reply, however we understand his tone, is on the surface another exemplary response. He says, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing, but at your words I will let down the nets. Jesus gives the word, Peter takes him at his word, and so unfolds this paradigm-shifting event that sets Peter on this trajectory of becoming one of Christ's appointed founders of the church. And all of that was made possible because Jesus spoke, and Peter took him at his word. How can we possibly engage in this mission? It's because Christ has spoken When we feel our inadequacy for the task, when we're so aware of our sinfulness and we're on our knees before Jesus, how is it even possible that we go out and seek to gather others in? 
It's because the word of Jesus comes to us, as it did to Peter. And he says, do not be afraid. You know, what gracious words these are from Jesus. Here is Peter and he's overwhelmed with his sinfulness. And he can only ask Jesus to go away from his presence. And Jesus says to him, do not be afraid. It's as if he says to him, you're exactly the kind of guy I can work with. Someone who takes me at my word, someone who is aware of their own sinfulness, that I can work with. And these are the words, friends, of the gospel. When a person is broken under the weight and the guilt and the shame of their their sinfulness, the word of God comes to them and says, do not be afraid. Peace. How is it that Jesus could speak words of peace to Peter? It was because Jesus knew that he would soon set his face towards Jerusalem, as Luke puts it. And in Jerusalem, there would be a commissioning ceremony for Simon Peter and the apostles and for the church. But the ceremony wouldn't be one where Simon Peter and the apostles would be called upon to make vows. But it wouldn't, it wouldn't be one where Simon Peter and the apostles make a pledge of loyalty to Jesus and his mission. No, the commissioning ceremony would be one where Jesus himself would be the pledge for his people. In his death and his resurrection, as he made the vow, my life for yours, my death is to atone for your sinfulness, so do not be afraid. So the call for us this morning, friends, is to take Jesus at his word and to go and call others to do the same. Let me pray for us. Our Father in heaven, we do bow before you this morning and we recognize our great inadequacy for the task before us and we recognize our sinfulness. We thank you for these words of peace that come to us through your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. We pray that they would give us assurance and that they would give us confidence in this mission that you have called your church to. Help us, we pray, and send us out empowered by your Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.